everyone welcome 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 to the new localization news my solo venture adventure of the localization podcast where i bring you usually three articles that <laughs> most recently i've been just reading and hopefully in some of the cases i can actually provide my input what i think about what these people are writing whether this is a good educational content for you and maybe sharing some of my experience if it's relevant to the article so where are we what would i say for the intro <laughs> even though i kind of promise and try to make sure that the intro doesn't take too much of your time because it's not that interesting but for those of you who are just listening uh, or maybe you can see me on youtube i'm not sure uh what i what i what i'm going to do about this recording for for this week week's episode and for those of you who can see me actually you would notice that i'm a little bit more red than usually it's not because of my camera settings or my lightning or anything but i do look a little bit pinkish um, and it's not that i'm drunk or anything it's i went to a beach here in Vancouver on Tuesday. Uh, so today is Thursday when I'm recording this. So two days ago, and I really didn't manage the sun properly, despite using sunscreen. And I'm super, super pink, especially my legs are very pink. It looks like I have some, some blood issues or something. And yeah, that's pretty much it all I can say for now but I guess that's the highlight of my my recent being um, anything else no I don't need to say anything else because I have actually my weekly updates on Friday on LinkedIn where I talk about what's happening with localization Academy so that means we can we shall not waste any more time and let's get to the three articles that we have today because I have a lot of things highlighted in these articles I think all of these articles are pretty good. So I'm still not sure which one I'm going to pick. So um, first one will be from Ampere Translations or Ampere Translations. And it's a complete guide to e-commerce localization. Second one is about the grind of localizing taglines and slogans. And this one is from Pangea Translation Experts. And the last one we have is localization, what's included in the cost. And this one is by a company called Inlingo Games. So let's get to the first one, the complete guide to e-commerce localization 2022 from Ampere Translations. Ampere or Ampere, I don't know how to pronounce it, A-M-P-E-R-E Translations. So first of all, what is e-commerce localization? If you've ever landed on a multilingual e-commerce site that feels a bit off, the chances are you are staring down the barrel of a case of poor localization. Odd sounding slogans and a distinct whiff of auto-translated content means you probably didn't stay long. Localization lassos all the elements of your customer experience your product listings, hashtags, blocks, prices, campaigns, 
and recalibrates them for your target markets. Awesome localization represents a not insignificant commitment to connecting with your customers in overseas markets and delivering a native brand and shopping experience. It's really an ongoing commitment to placing customers at the center of what you do. Now, what is an example of great localization? The global fashion platform ASOS, A-S-O-S, is the localization cover story with 60% of its growth attributable to localization. Focusing on the needs of their customers in individual markets, particularly in terms of checkout, shipping and returns, ASOS actively tapped into localization as a growth strategy. Not only is its entire website translated into seven different languages, but it offers 10 different payment methods in 19 currencies. ASOS rises up to meet the lift experience of their customers. For example, the FAQ section on its Spanish site features information on returning items from the Canary Islands. It is this in-depth understanding and consideration for customers that connects with an audience. The only thing that I can add from my experience with Localization Academy is regarding the different payment methods and the different currencies. So right now we're selling our two courses, not that many, uh, only in the USD. I didn't know how to how to approach this thing. I was thinking that, you know, like uh, if you have one global price for every market, I think it's definitely easier for the business because you only have one thing. Um, but I was always thinking that, you know, like the buying power in the United States is definitely different than what the people, let's say, in, I don't know, Latin America or, I don't know, somewhere in India have. And I did receive some comments like that, that our prices are still high, even though our prices are probably on the lower end when it comes to the industry and for getting courses from the localization or translation industry. Um, another thing that I was considering is maybe you know that maybe I mentioned this throughout the podcast that I do play games. So naturally on PC, so naturally I have Steam. And maybe you know that but Steam basically has different pricing tiers, or different price uh, for the same game based on the country of the users. So for example, in US or Canada, and there are even sites like I think steamdb.com, where I usually check, um, it's basically an aggregate that watches the prices, how they go over time. And that's where you can see that, for example, here in Canada, I would pay, I don't know, 30 or 40 bucks for a game, and maybe somewhere in, I don't know, Argentina or Kazakhstan, it would be I don't know, $5 or something like that at the same time. Um, so I'm still not sure if eventually we should do something like this. I don't know how I think even Udemy treats it the same way that they have different pricing per different markets. Um, but so far, we're keeping it just in USD because I also think that when it comes to the platform that we're using, so we're using Thinkific, which is a learning management system. So basically a software where you can easily upload videos and you can create a course, structure it at subtitles, 
it also has its own payment gateway. So it collects the payments, it sends emails and, and so on. And you can manage your users. So very simple to get started. But I think Thinkific on its own has a limitation, if I'm not mistaken, that you can only set one main currency per your um, server. And this is quite interesting because uh, yeah, actually, even next week, what we want to be doing with Ahmed uh, from Words, we want to actually localize the course into Arabic. And I think during that experience, we might um, want to play with different options where to host a course to make sure that even the UI is fully available in Arabic. And another thing that comes to the e commerce thing is the different payment methods. And this is just something that I was recently asked by someone I believe from Russia, they asked me whether we offer different uh, payment methods. Because again, our payment methods are mostly tied to what Thinkific works with. And that is an integration with Stripe, which I believe only supports credit cards, credit and debit cards, if I'm not mistaking. Maybe Stripe on its own has more payment options, depending on the country. Maybe you can set up some some way, but the, the out of the box integration with Thinkific, I think only means that you can enter the credit card. And then there's also PayPal, but nothing else. And I believe that in Russia, there are multiple payment methods that are used, not only these two. And yeah, I actually had to reply to that person that when it comes to payment, we are not a prime example of localization. So yes, but I think we're still kind of like a very niche thing. So hopefully it's okay. Although ideally, you know, like if we are showcasing localization, maybe we should aim to to make it better. But hopefully one day we'll get there when we have I don't know, hundreds or 1000s of students a month joining, and we'll actually have some money to invest into localization. Anyway, let's continue the article with seven key aspects to localize e commerce. Number one, product information, product localization goes beyond simple translation of product information. For example, localization will find workarounds when handling content in gendered, gendered languages like Spanish, French or Italian. In Spanish, the phrase Welcome to our community can be read in three different ways. Bienvenido a nuestra comunidad only addresses men. Bienvenida a nuestra comunidad only addresses women. And te damos la bienvenida a nuestra comunidad welcomes everyone. People will not feel welcome after signing up for a newsletter if they are not addressed in an exclu in an inclusive way. Oh my gosh, what am I saying? Exclusive, of course, inclusive. Everything has to be inclusive these days. The only thing that comes here to my mind is not sure if you have paid attention to my bad Spanish pronunciation, but the last inclusive translation is slightly longer. It's like one extra word when I'm looking at this one extra something. Um, so maybe for e commerce, it's not that uh, such a big of a problem. But maybe for UI in general, 
that's where you can get cramped. Number two, your brand story. The challenge of recounting your brand story to resonate with your markets is real, but do it right and you'll find your tribe. It requires a customer-centric approach and in-depth understanding of target market culture. Often, transcreation, a mixture of translation and copywriting, is key to achieving good results. The customer experience, number three. The backbone of high-quality localization. Try to see your website anew through the eyes of your customers. Offering products and services in the local currency is essential, huh, which we don't do, as is using the appropriate measurement units for each country. These often differ by market. And keep an eye on checkout pages. They have the highest risk of aban abandonment. Payment options should be familiar to your overseas customers. Number four, your website SEO translation. It is important not to simply translate your English keywords into different languages and assume that your international customers use the same terms. You need to carry out keyword research in each market to weave the keywords into your copy. This will not only increase your online visibility, but it will help you sound natural. Number five, social media. The look and feel of social media need to be localized to maximize positive customer interaction. Promotions and competitions on social media should dovetail with your customers' calendars. For example, Mother's Day and Father's Day celebrations take place on different dates in different countries. Having access to this knowledge is key to engaging with your international customers at the right time. Number six, customer support. Customer support covers many aspects and should be accessible in the local language, including FAQs, bot chats, forms, reviews, phone number formats. Getting these elements right adds up to a positive native shopping experience. I would also add that uh, they listed bot chats, but also, I mean, once you get past the bot chat and the bot chat cannot do its job well, then you are transferred to a human agent, customer support agent, then I guess that person should also be able to communicate with you in your language. Although I know that there are probably some some machine translation, I don't know, tools which are specialized for uh, doing the translation for customer service agents. But I guess um, that's all I can think of. Finally, number seven, images. Visual power is paramount in the digital age. Is your brand imagery delivering desired impact? Checking and localizing images should form an integral part of localization strategy. Their look, feel, and size all need to be reviewed. For example, you can have the best infographic out there, but if you fail to localize it, your international audience will not engage with it. That's the end of the article. Now, let me quickly run down through these seven things uh, so that we know that it's not only about the product. So what are the key seven key aspects to localize product information, your brand story, the customer experience like checkout, SEO translation and your website, social media, customer support and images. Now that I'm actually looking at this, there is actually means that there's quite a lot of things that you have to take care of when you want to 
localize your e-commerce store. And in a way we are to a certain degree, an e-commerce site because we're technically selling courses. Although a lot of the courses come with a live interaction with the with the person. So it's not fully digital, I don't know, product. But yeah, as I'm thinking about this, I'm still not sure how we're going to approach the localization into Arabic that we wanted to do. But again, it's something that I'll just figure out on the go and on the stream. So you'll be there to witness how much we mess it up <laughs> and learn from it. Anyway, that was the first article. I think it was pretty okay. I wouldn't call it the complete guide to e-commerce localization because usually, and this is again based on my experience with similar articles that claim to be the complete guide. These are usually very long form articles, which I don't mind. I think we had something like that before with phrase. I think phrase likes to do really full detailed guides on something. And I think especially when we got to the to the seven key aspects, I think they were just touching things uh, very lightly. In most cases, what I read to you is what they just wrote uh, in the article. So I didn't skip that much. So I think this could be even deeper. And also one more thing that I have to highlight here for this one is that the font that is used for this article, it looks like uh, the font that you that you produce with a typewriter. I don't know how this font type or typeface is called. But it really looks very weird. I know that Slater uses this for the press releases. And they use it probably on purpose to differentiate it from their regular articles. So this font to me is very not pretty. So that's what I have to say about it. Moving on to the next one, article number two from Pangea. I didn't say this, but I did some work with Pangea. I helped them put together some course that they are using for new people. But uh, that's just pure coincidence because uh, the articles are picked by my uh, assistant Vega. And so this one is about the grind of localizing taglines and slogans. And I can tell you that this one should give us some funny uh, mis localizations and mistranslations that happened when people attempted to localize taglines and slogans. So a slogan is the first thing that prospects associate your brand with. I'm not sure if I would uh, agree with this, maybe to me because I'm more visual to me, it's colors that I would associate with the brand. Or maybe what was my experience if I had a personal experience or maybe what their products are. But anyway, if you think translating a sentence in quotes, or a few words is not a big deal, think again, how many times have we come across hilariously mistranslated taglines and slogans? Pepsi's come alive with the Pepsi generation tagline, wild mistranslation into Chinese, for example, Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the dead, went viral, and not in a good way. Yes, yes. So this is exactly the case where mm, I guess the, the typical, you know, uh, translation effort by word doesn't apply. Because exactly as they say, it's really just 
you're translating, let's say one sentence or a couple of words, you I think you have to put so much effort into making sure that you adapt it correctly. I know that when we were, I think we were trying to in my last job, we were trying to get a get a project from from one of the clients of us of ours. And I think it was related to gaming. And we were looking for new translators from the gaming industry who have experienced translating games. And also maybe partially do something with marketing. And I think the or maybe we we're just looking for someone to do transcreation. I don't, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just confusing this. But what I know is that one of the things that I suggested for the test was how they would localize uh, chicken chicken, no, <laughs> winner winner chicken dinner, I believe. So winner winner chicken dinner is the the final, I guess you can call it the slogan, final text that you see in PUBG, PUBG is a video game that you get when you become victorious in the in the match. So you're the you or your team are the last men, women and others standing uh, in the game. And I was wondering how this is localized, maybe PUBG already localized it. So maybe it's already out there. But I would be really wondering how people would be dealing with this. Anyway, let's go back to the article. Why are taglines and slogans difficult to localize? Slogans and taglines have challenged translators forever. Creative by default, numerous taglines and slogans are built around puns and idiomatic phrases that expressively describe a brand or product. Needless to say that verbatim translation would not work. For example, the Chevy Nova name faced blistering criticism in Latin America as the word Nova is directly translated to it doesn't go Nova. Furthermore, emotion is perceived differently across cultures. McDonald's love field slogan, I'm loving it was localized to me encanta in Spanish, in Spanish, which means I like it. Between like and love is quite a gap in English, though. Yet, me encanta is the version that made Spanish fast food lovers tick as more culturally appropriate version. So, how do you localize a slogan? Working with a local team of linguists and copywriters is vital to creating a slogan or tagline that hits the mark in a different culture. Typically, translators and copywriters work closely with local marketing professionals who deeply understand the cultural implications of your slogan and can advise on any potential cultural traps to avoid. So, to be able to adapt a tagline or slogan to another culture, the translator and or copywriter must be themselves immersed in that juice to make the brand appeal to local prospects. This will help you avoid the debacles, debacles like the one below. All right, and here we have some one, two, three, four, five, six, seven 
examples of funny slogan mistranslations. So first one, American Express slogan is don't leave home without it. In Chinese back translation is stay home with it. <laughs> Second one is uh, for Apple. Think different. Everybody knows this. Chinese back translation, go insane. <laughs> Next one, we have Budweiser. The slogan in English is when you say Budweiser, you've said it all. Chinese back translation, after Budweiser, you will not be able to speak. <laughs> Burger King, have it your way. Translated as reject the socialist ideal. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, then we have camel. Camel, am I am I saying this right? The cigarettes. I'd walk a mile for a camel. That's the slogan. Chinese back translation. A camel asked me to walk two kilometers. <laughs> what? <laughs> then um, KFC finger looking good. Uh, Chinese back translation tastes like human fingers. I think I heard this one. And last one is McDonald's. You deserve a break today. In Chinese back translation, you deserve to be beaten. I don't know why everything is Chinese back translation. I'm wondering if this is, or will by any chance, some weird machine translation, or if actually a lot of the Chinese translators, I don't want to offend anyone, but they produce crap like this. Here we have, next we have a case study for Get Your Guide. And Get Your Guide is a booking platform servicing millions of travelers worldwide. And the executives understood that the company's slogan is meant to engage and attract users in their language. The best way to do that was to get the localization and marketing teams on board to ensure the tone of voice and nuance of the original English slogan, love where you're going, is conveyed into German, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Brazilian, Polish, Danish, Swedish, and Norwegian, respectively. After experimenting with different versions of the slogan in each of their native languages, the team came up with the ideal fit for every relevant market, considering several factors such as brand and commercial purpose. German. Aus Liebe zum Reisen. For the love of traveling. After conducting deeper market research, the team realized the slogan could not be used, and I think they mean the original slogan could not be used, since it had already been claimed by a supermarket supermarket chain in Germany. But Auslibetzum Entdecken, for the love of discovering, was not used by any other brand. And since the platform is more about discovering new places to see, and things to do around the world, the slogan gained traction. Now, French one. Aimez, I don't know how to read this. Oh, oh, vous allez. <laughs> Love where you're going. Unlike typical cases of direct translations of creative lines or slogans, the example above delivers the intent and nuance of the original perfectly. Perfectly. Additionally, the rhythm of the phrase makes it all the more enticing. Spanish. Enamorate de tu vies. Fall in love with your trips. Direct translation did not work in Spanish, unlike the French example above. 
in this case, the linguist opted for a less intuitive version than Ama donde vas or Enamorte de donde vas, which would be the first lines to pop into any Spanish speaker's head. However, none of these makes any sense or flows naturally in the language of Cervantes. Enamorate de tu vies, on the other hand, not only flows naturally, well, not in my case, but also cleverly plays on the double meaning of the word viae, viaje, viaje, signifying journey in the directional sense, but also in a more spiritual sense of experience offered by a particular place. Furthermore, furthermore, the literal translation of the verb love, amar, is infrequent in Spanish Catalan, which would have raised some red flags for Spanish speakers from Spain. Finally, we have Polish, odkrywaj świat, świat z radością. Explore the world with joy. The linguist's first impulse was zakochaj się w podróżach, which means fall in love with traveling. However, a deeper investigation revealed that the slogan had already been claimed by another brand. So, after a few experiments, the gem eventually emerged. Although Otkrivaj Świat z Radoscia may seem too remote from the original, this adaptation transcreation of the Get Your Guide slogan into Polish only proves that localization is not about pure translation, but rather about cultural appropriateness and creating experience. Final thoughts. Number one, engage your marketing, localization, and content teams when localizing your slogans and taglines. Having all these professionals work together will help you create a unique yet culturally appropriate brand identity in another market. Number two, if your pockets are not that deep and you're not the owner of a big wig corporation, Outsourcing your slogan localization project to a professional agency like Pangea Global can prove highly beneficial to your brand's outreach across borders. When I was reading this article, I was wondering if they're actually going to pull some CTA. I guess they did, but it's really just towards the end. It's it's kind of hidden. So to me, this article is pretty good. Um, it's mostly, I guess, about the, the funny things, which... I think were pretty cute and funny. And what else would I say? I like the I like the case study of Get Your Guide, how different teams can come up with different things that work for the market and still are not that far away from the original intention of the slogan. So that was good. And yeah, I think we can move on to the last article. And this one is from Inlingo blog, and it's about localization. What's included in the cost? Now, this is a bit of a mysterious title, but I'll explain to you right away. Um, the article starts by saying, adapting a project for a new audience is an undertaking that requires a serious investment. Let's talk about what's included in the price of Inlingo's localization services and why we chose this approach. Here's a detailed checklist for projects of 100,000 words or more. I thought that this one would actually include some figures, but it doesn't. 
even though even though the featured image for this article says localization pricing and the title talks about what's included in the cost but there are no figures here except for the 10,000 words i mean 100,000 words but i still like this article i think it's good especially for the beginners i would say so they wanted to talk about the checklist so let's run through the checklist so what's included in the price number one two project managers your project will be handled by two project managers at once the first pm takes on the job and analyzes it draws up a statement of work sow assesses the risks and determines the time frame the second pm works with the team of translators and editors and ensures that the end result meets your requirements so here i'll be probably stopping here and there providing some of my input at first i was confused why you need two project managers but then i remembered okay hundred thousand words in this age probably not that common but i would definitely consider this a big project and yeah maybe it's make it makes sense to split it by the project managers split sorry into two project managers but i don't like uh, the way they say it here it looks like the first pm who takes the job analyzes it does the sow assesses the risks and then determines the time frame it's like someone who does the the work up front and then the second pm has to actually do and get the job done and stay with the project from start to finish so i'm not sure if this is suggesting that the first pm is more senior and then they work with the second pm who's maybe less senior and they cannot i don't know assess the risks or plan the project or do the sow but yeah that's what i'm thinking if one of the pms goes on vacation gets sick or can no longer work on the project the second one is already up to speed on all the details and potential challenges they will be able to see the project through to the end and make sure we finish on time and the final product is not adversely affected no matter what happens your deadlines are safe okay now number two glossary and style guide if your project has terminology that must remain consistent we keep track of it in the glossary it's important that johnny stays johnny throughout the game and the item magic wand doesn't turn into an enchanted stick if you don't make sure that terms stay uniform the player will just get confused the second essential document is a style guide it's a set of rules that pertain to your project the style guide helps our entire team stay in the loop on the client's requirements and follow them closely in addition if someone on the team falls ill the backup translator will be aware of all the important details thanks to the style guide i think this is pretty good especially for a project this size i think that when i was working on projects this would probably never come to my mind as something that i have to set up in the beginning even if i'm working with i don't know let's say a smaller client who sends smaller jobs again it could be because i never created these from the scratch most of the time they were either created or 
we were just not using them at all. And maybe it's also probably from the fact that I've never worked as a translator. So these, I guess, wouldn't be too high on my priority list. But nevertheless, uh, I have to say that it's probably a mistake from my side. Now, number three, a team with experience in your genre, setting and game mechanics. The PM works with HR specialist, specialists to choose an appropriate team for your project. Only translators who have experience with projects in your genre and are familiar with the subject matter will work on it. For example, if you've created a rugby game, the team will contain people who know the rules and understand what the sport is about. So two things here. Number one, PM works with HR specialists. This is the first time that I hear something like that because to me, HR is typically to make sure that the employees of the company like PMs are taken care of and that they, I don't know, that the recruiting is ongoing and people are evaluated and happy and so on. But typically, I guess you would have a vendor manager to, to find the right translators for your project. And number two is the genre. This again could be related to the fact that I have never worked on a game localization, but I'm not sure. I assume that it's an ideal case if you find someone, let's say, who does English to Italian game translation for, let's say, this rugby genre. But I'm not sure how how realistic is, is is it to find people for every niche or specific genre and for each particular language? I would say that, I don't know, in, in this case of rugby, I think if you have just someone who has general experience with game localization, then maybe they can just research on the rules of rugby and maybe they can still do a good job. Anyway, let's continue. With still with number three, the team is tested on the style guide so we can make sure that everyone understands the gist of the project, the style and any nuances that must be kept in mind. Only specialists who pass the test are allowed to work on the translation. Some of them are kept in reserve in case one of the main translators must leave the project. So this to me again is something new. I never thought that you could test people on a style guide. But I think it makes a lot of sense, actually. I think that a lot of the people, at least in my experience, you know, they just pass the initial onboarding test. I mean, before they get hired and onboarded, you know, to prove that they can actually do some translations. I guess a lot of the companies can have just, I don't know, some one main standard generic translation test. Maybe depending on the industry, I don't know, for games, maybe you have a specific uh, translation test, but when it comes to a specific style guide for a certain client and testing the people who have already been tested to see if they can comply with the style that the client requires, I think it's, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Now, moving on, number four, translation team briefing. Before starting, the entire team examines the client's files in detail visual references, the storyline, character descriptions, and links to gameplay. The translators and editors download and play the game for a while to immerse themselves in the project and look at it through the eyes of a player. 
even before translating, the team asks questions that come up when examining the files and references and gets answers in advance so that they know all the ins and outs when they start translating. Sometimes questions arise while working on the project. If the manager and editors cannot find answer on their own, they seek clarification from the client. Number five, integration with your programs. Typically, in Lingo's translators work in the translation software MemoQ. MemoQ allows us to load all the essential details into one project, including the glossary, character limits, developer comments, and string IDs. The InLingo team has experience working with a wide range of systems. We are happy to sync with your programs and work directly in them to make it convenient to monitor the process. As an alternative, we can translate, edit, and review the text in our system and export and then export the files to your service in the appropriate format. Number six, translation by a native speaker. A native speaker of a language always has the best feel for the special features of their country's culture. They have a more accurate understanding of which constructions sound natural to the audience who is not yet acquainted with your project. This is precisely why we prefer working with native speakers. Our primary goal is to adapt your game in such a way that players don't even know if it was translated. Don't know it was translated. When your project is adapted into another language, the new audience should see it as a game that was created especially for them. Here, a quick note from me, this is exactly what I'm explaining in the very first part of my course, that this is what localization is, is that the people actually feel like it was created to them directly in that language, even though it's after localization. Number seven, free translation of repetitions. We do not include repetitions in the total cost of localization. By repetitions, we mean strings of text with a complete independent meaning. If the same complete phrase is repeated several times in a project, the client only pays for it to be translated once. All repetitions are cal calculated by specialized software. Of course, number eight, proofreading the translation and reviewing the files. First and foremost, our editors verify that all translations correspond to the source text. They ensure that there are no mistranslations. The translator understood the context, the meaning of the original text was conveyed, the rules of grammar were followed and all cultural correct characteristics were taken into account. Generally, proofreading follows closely after the translation. All potential errors are caught immediately and added to the style guide so they won't be repeated as translation continues. Translators regularly receive feedback about the work from editors to make sure the quality remains consistent. When the translation and proofreading are done, the PM runs a check on the files before delivering them to the client to make sure there aren't any tag errors, typos, double spaces, or untranslated strings. Fun. I want to say finally, but no. Number nine, two-year guarantee. For two years after delivering the project, we continue to bear responsibility for it and oversee the final product. We are happy to make corrections based on valid comments from players or client requests. In addition, once a quarter, we check player reviews ourselves and make changes if we find any comments relevant to the translation. This to me is something absolutely new, like two-year guarantee. 
I think I'm not even sure if any of my previous employers provided something like this. Of course, when the clients come and uh, they complain about something, you want to fix it, especially if it was a mistake completed by your, I mean, caused by, by you, by your process or by your team of people. But even what they say here that once a quarter, they check play reviews themselves and they make changes to me. This is something that I have never seen in any company to do something like this, like proactively actually check what the people are saying on forums or I don't know in the in the reviews. And this can be done for for many different things, right? Um, so I think something new for you, at least for me to consider. Final point, a consistent team for your projects. If you come back to us after a while, the same team that worked on your game, the first time we'll do it again. There are specialists who are already immersed in your project. They know it inside and out and are ready to take on new updates. So that is the end of article number three. I'm running out of voice and it's time for me to go have my dinner and then do some more work because I'm a little bit behind. Now, when it comes to selecting what I would pick as the best article, I think this is going to be a little bit difficult. So when I'm looking at the first one, I think it was pretty good, but it's not a complete guide of e-commerce localization but I like the list of the things and this might be useful to me. Number two, localizing taglines and slogans. I think this one was pretty good, mostly just for the fun uh, factor. So I'll probably skip this one, even though when I'm thinking about the video that I'm going to do, I probably won't be uploading the full videos of me just reading. I'll probably just cut the part where I was reading the the examples because that was kind of funny for me. Now the last one, I think in the last one, even though I consider this as a basic things, there are still some things that I think I learn. I like the the style of this one. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to give my vote to the last article. Usually, I don't know why the final articles are the ones that usually get the votes from me. So that's going to be it for this recording. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'll continue doing this, at least not on a weekly basis. But I feel like I feel like, you know, like initially, when I decided to record this thing, I really had that feeling that I wanted to record something. But this time I feel like I'm doing this because I did it the previous weeks. The good thing is that I can still learn something from these articles. The problem is that I cannot apply it anywhere since we're not doing any localization right now, but that might change soon. So that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting, following Localization Academy anywhere that we are and see you and talk to you in some other content. Goodbye.